while I'm a great carpenter and I can run the hell out of a job site, I am a terrible business person. Um, it's, it's, it's a pass fail. You just don't know whether you're passing or you're failing for a couple of years. Um, at one point I had 16 guys, 16 carpenters. Oh yeah. Oh, oh no. Wow. It was, That's a lot. Of- yeah. Oh yeah. It was brutal. Um, that's a lot of personality. Yeah, you're right. Personalities and oh, the ego stroking that had to go on and the oh, babysitting. Yeah. You know, just crazy stuff that you don't think about when you're just trying to fly too close to the sun. Yeah. <laughs> you're trying to get there. You're trying to be that uh, that big company. But at that point in time, it was like, you know what? I don't think I really want to be that big, big, big company. That's Aaron Jones, a co-founder of Big Dog Construction. His motto, apprenticeship is an obligation. You might already know him from his tips in fine home building or his Instagram feed tutorials. I'm Mike Kenoki and I'm a general contractor. And I just want to let you guys know that the sound in the falling pod is not perfect. But that's because I'm up here in Alaska and Aaron's on Grand Manan Island in New Brunswick. And I bet everybody listening has a better internet connection than either Aaron or I. Okay, enjoy this pod with Aaron Jones. We talk about starting our businesses. It's really fun. You know yourself. If you truly want to learn something, you're going to find a way to learn. It might not be 100% conventional, but you'll figure it out. You have time to vet your customers or your clients a little more because you're not trying to keep that 16, 20 guys busy all the time. Or you go the other way and you finish a job and you lay everybody off and then you try and hire a new crew. What type of mess does that give you every time you turn around? I think that's part of what is hard in the beginning is you, you don't know how to let go and you don't know how to, you know, pull the horns back and say, you know what, maybe I don't have to have my fingers in this pot. Would you work twice as hard, twice as long, for an extra $50 a year. That's that's what it boils down to. So uh, smaller crew usually equals quality. Quality will eventually equal quality clients. And this podcast would have been so valuable to me 20 plus years ago. Um, well, if I was willing to listen, that would have been the other thing. I, I laugh at those guys. Uh, I don't know how many people over the years have told me I've never had a window leak. I've never had a roof leak. I, you know, um, you just haven't put enough in yet. And we try and come across as something we're not. Yeah, it just screams insecure. <laughs> right? I mean, I, I can't imagine what my clients thought when I was first coming to their house and talking to them and. So now you've got a client who goes, yeah, those were nice people. They did a good job. They kept the house tidy. They did what they said they were going to do. And they were upfront with me. And that is, that's worth a million dollars in advertising. Getting, I was out on a run getting materials and I come back and, you know, my foreman says, we're doing this now. And I'm like, I did this. <laughs> yeah. You can't do that. And it took me, I didn't know how to coach them into how do you talk to a client when I'm not there. 
you know, we had to work on the language to say, Hey, like you need to talk to Mike. If you want to change the project, you need to call him. Actually, uh, and it's going to sound kind of funny, but I'm, I'm just a teacher. <laughs> There's two things in life that will set you free, the truth and hard work. Welcome to the Contracting Handbook Podcast, a podcast for how to run a small contracting company. Whether you're a general contractor like me or a trade contractor, Starting fresh or been in business for years, here's all the stuff you never knew you'd have to know before you started your contracted business with the man who's seen it all, your host, Mike Kinoki. That's me. We have a lot in common about when we were growing the business and the growing pain. So so tell me how long has the business been to been around, Aaron? Big Dog Construction has been around for 10 years. Okay. Um, prior to that, I had a, I had a business. Um, and for various reasons, including divorce that we won't get into <laughs> too much, um, that business got shut down. It probably wouldn't have made it anyways, uh, even without divorce, because... While I'm a great carpenter and I can run the hell out of a job site, I am a terrible business person. <laughs> a lot of people have that in common in the construction well, industry. Absolutely, because you start out learning your trade and uh, eventually you reach a point where, you know, if you're a go-getter um, or... You know, you just want to go farther than where you're at. Eventually, you go out on your own. And when you do that, it's, uh, you know, it's like we talked about before, flying too close to the sun, right? Um, it's, it's, it's a pass-fail. You just don't know whether you're passing or you're failing for a couple of years. Unless you have somebody really, really good watching the back end and watching the numbers for you. No doubt that those first years are just floundering. I was a heck of a carpenter and I thought it was going to be easy to just go out on my own. I did. I, th I, th I was like, oh yeah, no big deal. I'm just going to go start a business. And wow, you work nonstop, right? Wearing all those hats. Yeah, I, I tried it for, uh, and, and it's going to sound like a very familiar story to you. Um, I tried it for a number of years. I would, you know, out of bed, feed her on the floor before 5 a.m., you know, doing stuff, trying to get stuff organized for the day, get in the truck, cup of coffee, pick up breakfast on the run, you know, maybe hit a couple of job sites before the crew even gets to any of them. Um then you just spend your day putting out fires and, you know, three meals a day from whatever drive through service was available. I think, I think at the peak of it, I was probably pushing 230 pounds. Um, and yeah, falling asleep in front of my computer at, you know, 10, 11 at night and 
yeah, it just it wasn't a good scene. Yeah, I'd say for myself, there were a solid three years where I probably didn't sleep more than five hours a night. Maybe in the winter a little bit, but not normal, not during busy season. No way, not a chance. Oh, eyes, tw- uh, eyes twitching. Like, <laughs> you know, definitely I, I agree that putting on weight from all those drive through food, you eat way more food than you need to, and it's all fatty and it's all tasty, but it's bad for you. Well, it was quick and it was easy, right? And yep. uh, depending on what was going on, you know, and your meal times were all over the place. Like, if I got busy, I'd forget to eat till it was time to eat. So sometimes lunch would be at four o'clock. Yep. So that supper might not be till 1130. Yep. Right before you pass out for four or five hours and get up and do it all over again. Yep. And uh, eating some microwave Burger King at 11 o'clock at night, that's that's a good time. <laughs> Yeah, that'll set you up for some nice acid reflux. <laughs> How many people you have working for you right now? Right now, we are at three. Okay. And then there's Gina and myself. And, so. and, and you're, so you, you run the crew of three, you're kind of their foreman and the face exactly. of the company. And Gina's taking care of, taking care of all the business. Making and keeping she, you guys in line. She does all the project management. She does her absolute level best to make sure materials are ordered when they need to be ordered. Um, does the bookkeeping, you know, make sure that the accountant gets the stuff when they need to have it. And uh, there's probably a hundred other things that she does in the run of a day that don't even register for me. Um, I'm basically like a site super. I get the plans, I get the spec, I show up and I try and make things happen. And hopefully on budget and on time. I put a tool belt on every day now. Okay. Uh, I am I am right there in the thick of things like every day. Uh, I guess a site super was probably a bad uh, way of describing it, but you know, but you're foreman. Yeah. Okay. Foreman, yeah. Forever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I'd say for myself, when I had three employees, I did everything else. I never had time to be on site. I checked in and I drove materials places and I, and I drove from job site to job site to job site, checking what's going on with other subs and all the job sites. So I was, ne- I, I, my first few years, I tried to work with my crew and then I realized I can't, I need to just manage them from afar and and take care of the other end of the business myself and uh, and i'd only work with them in, in a pinch when they really needed a fourth guy um, prior to prior to gina um at one point i had 16 guys and yeah 16 carpenters oh yeah oh, oh no wow. was, that's a lot of yeah Huh. It was, oh yeah, it was brutal. Um, That's a lot of personality. Before, well, the year before I had eight guys, weather, a whole bunch of stuff, a bunch of projects didn't go off on time the way they were supposed to. And so 
you round up a bunch of guys and you kind of try and get two big crews going. And yeah, you're right. Personalities and oh, the ego stroking that had to go on and the oh, babysitting. Yeah. <laughs> it it really wasn't good at times and uh, didn't make any money. More tools, more stuff got broken. Uh, you know, the deficiencies were probably up in the neighborhood of like 200% over what they should have been. Uh-huh. And, you know, just crazy stuff that you don't think about when you're just trying to fly too close to the sun. Yeah. <laughs> you're trying to get there. You're trying to be that... Uh, that big company yeah that i i definitely experienced a trade-off when i the most people i ever had working for him was six and that was brief then i was back to five and and it was a you know with every person you add you have to put so much more energy into managing and i just found that the amount of time i was putting in for the extra amount of money i was making was not worth it at all Cause that's cause I, cause it just, you know, I reached a peak and then now I'm working really hard and I'm making more money, but, but per unit time, it's less. Yeah. And that's, that was kind of part of our decision to, uh, move to the Island full time. Um, the reason we came to Grand Manan is we had a, a framing contract, a commercial framing contract. And at the peak of that, I think we had, 22 guys, 22 or 23 guys on staff at the peak of that. And, um, yeah, it, uh, you know, there definitely was possibility to, you know, sort of continue down that road and become the big company. But, you know, five years ago, or not five years ago, but five years prior to that job, I would have been all over that. But at that point in time, it was like, you know what? I don't think I really want to be that big, big, big company. Um, you know, 22 guys, you never put on the tools. And if you do, well, it's just for show. You're not, you're not actually pulling your hammer out or your tape measure out. That's it. You're just, you do a little layout and you walk away. That's it. So what's your, what's your current focus with, the, with your company? Actually, and it's going to sound kind of funny, but I'm, I'm just a teacher, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Uh, you know, because of our location, um, I don't have this great big workforce to hire from. Yeah. And so most of our crew is very young, um, basically all first year apprentices. Okay. Well, one second year apprentice now. Uh, one second year apprentice now. So basically, um, yeah, I am teaching every day. There's, there's something for somebody to learn every day. And uh, it's an investment for us right now. A few things are taking a little longer, but hopefully, you know, in the next couple of years, we're just going to start to see a return on that investment. We already have. In my years of running a crew, you know, I always had a couple, my foreman is an awesome, um, awesome carpenter, excellent problem solver. Um, 
And usually my second guy was a good carpenter, didn't really want a lot of responsibility. So they, they want to be told what to do, but they're nervous about the rest of the responsibility part and a laborer. And, and our, we always thought we would like turn a laborer into carpenters like us because because it happened to us when we were young. You know, people pulled us aside and we're like, this is what you do and it's how you do it. And we got really good. And I got to say that I was never successfully turned a kid into a carpenter. They they just worked for me for a while and moved on. And I don't know if it's generational. I don't know what's going on. But I, I really appreciate that teaching aspect because it's hard to teach people too. And you, you got to be really patient. And... and <clears throat> and manage your expectations because it's it's really hard some days and you know you you have to try and remind yourself that you know maybe you didn't pick up everything first time around and that oops you know maybe i've been doing this for more than a couple decades now so maybe that's why i know all this stuff (laughs) but you got to try and pick and choose what you teach people because not, not everybody's capable of learning um, everything anyways. And not everybody wants to learn. But as a general rule, if you show up with a good attitude and an open mind, we'll get you at least halfway there. Um, the rest is going to be up to the individual. Uh, you know, you know yourself, if, if you truly want to learn something, you're going to find a way to learn. It might not be 100% conventional, but you'll figure it out. I barely passed high school math. Am I a math wizard? No. But if I need to do some trig on a job site to figure out some stuff for a roof, I know how to do that math. Put a basic algebra problem in front of me, I'm probably going to flop, but uh, <laughs> I'll figure, I, I know how to do the math. I need to, I need to know how to do yeah that's any sense yeah so what what kind of projects are you working on some roofing projects on the go because funny enough out of all this stuff asphalt shingles haven't uh haven't been affected that much um we've got some air sealing projects on the go we do a lot of renovations on the island um some of them are big, some of them are small, uh, but you figure I live on an island with 27, 2,800 full-time residents. So we're not going to get a new house every year. Just, it's not going to happen. Right. But we fix a lot of rot. We fix a lot of problems due to bad flashing, non-existent flashing, Improper building practices, siding issues. <laughs> How old are the houses you're working on for the most part? Oh, wow. It depends. Some of them are some of the oldest houses in Canada. Uh, a couple of years back, we worked on one that, um, I don't know, probably 1850. You know, there's, there's houses on the island that are well in excess of 150 years old. Um, it's nothing to find hand-hewn beams or literally tree trunks as beams in the basement uh, or a crawl space or whatever it is. 
what was the signal when you decided not to go big? I finally figured out how to be good at what I do. Um, and it, it's not that I wasn't good at it. It's just, I don't know. Maybe I grew up. <laughs> but you figure out what's important in life. And, uh, well, there's more than that. There's a lot of dynamics. Um, Pre-Gina, even though I had other people helping me with the books and stuff like that from time to time, you weren't always getting good information. Or if you were getting good information, it wasn't put, a, put across to you in a way that you could understand, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. um, and where things are at right now, things are just more organized and the numbers made more sense. And, well, would you work twice as hard, twice as long for an extra $50 a year? That's, that's what it boils down to. That's what it boils down to. And, um, you know, make a pretty darn good living with a small crew. Pick and choose your jobs a little more. You have time to vet your customers or your clients a little more because you're not trying to keep that 16, 20 guys busy all the time. Or you go the other way and you finish a job and you lay everybody off and then you try and hire a new crew. What type of mess does that give you every time you turn around? Let's go, let's go back to that statement where you just said working twice as hard for 50 more dollars a year. I mean, it's true. You, you, but you don't know until you get there, like you're chasing money. You're going, Oh, I'm going to make more money. This is going to be great. But then you realize there's a ceiling. There's, there's only so much money you can make in a year with what you've got going and you can push it and try to make more, but that's where you make the only the 50 bucks. And then you have to either, <laughs> you have to sit back and, and really look at it. And just, you, then you make that decision. Do I hire more people? Do I hire middle management? Do I really let go of the reins and then just be the president and CEO of, you know, this company or do I enjoy life a little bit? And Most of us, who get into this business somewhere deep down, we're a little bit of a control freak. Nah. At least the guys are good. Okay. Somewhere there's that little piece of you that just, you want to have your finger in everything. Um, and I think that's part of what is hard in the beginning is you, you don't know how to let go and you don't know how to, you know, pull the horns back and say, you know what, maybe I don't have to have my fingers in this pot. Um, but the bigger the crew is, the harder it is to maintain that quality that you want. That it's the reason you went out on your own, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, smaller crew usually equals quality. Quality will eventually equal quality clients, which is absolutely you know, people that are seeking you out, uh, versus you going out and, you know, trying to find that job big dog construction has never advertised forward it's always been word of mouth uh recommendations repeat customers just 
you know, happy crew, happy clients, and the work will just come. It does. It does just come when you're, when you're focused and you're doing good work and that you have that excellent reputation. It only takes 20 years to learn this. It takes, <laughs> there's a lot of, there's a lot of falling down and getting up before you get there, huh? Sometimes crashing. <laughs> yeah. I, there's a contractor here who kind of is a mentor to me. He probably doesn't know it. He's hard to extract information from cause he's a pretty quiet guy, but, uh, many years ago, I was sitting with him and and he was listening to me talk, probably hearing his own voice years before. And he was like, Mike, you just got to let go. He's like, you have got to just trust your crew and let go and and ma and manage other things. And I did, but I let go a little a little too much. I, I was managing so many projects. And my crew had no idea. I mean, I had projects with my crew, but they were a fraction of what I was doing with subcontractors. I was everywhere. And, and then, yeah, I definitely crashed mentally and physically. I reached my absolute limit. And there's lessons and, to be learned, definitely. Um, and this podcast would have been so valuable to me 20 plus years ago. Um, well, if I was willing to listen, that would have been the other thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, if I didn't already know better. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Who would want to listen to two, two old guys talk about building stuff? One of the things uh, I just, I just did a podcast on uh, gaining and maintaining company credibility. And uh, you, you have published tips in fine home building. That helps with your credibility. Um, and you do, you have this um, Instagram page where you explain what you're finding wrong with projects and how to correct it. And that stuff's awesome. So valuable for, for people who are trying to look, who are looking for solutions. Um, aside from that, those, those obvious credibility generators, what, what else do you see as being really important for gaining and maintaining company credibility? There's two things in life that will set you free, the truth and hard work. Um, I like it. Maintain that for years. Also, um, you know, if you say you're going to do something, do it. Um, you know, there's, there's all, of, obviously, if you tell a customer you're going to do something and something goes sideways, well, something goes sideways. Be upfront about it. Don't, don't beat around the bush. Tell them exactly what's going on uh they might be mad for five minutes but it's way better than the whole project heading south and them being upset forever about how their project went uh the other thing is is you know warranty your work uh you're making me look good because those are two of the uh honesty is the number one thing in my i had a list of like eight things that i think are important and honesty is definitely number one and uh because you have to tell people what's going on you don't always have to tell them what's going on if they don't need to know because they don't need to wear your hat too yeah, and right it can be five minutes of them being mad but then they go oh yeah they really respect that you were straight up with them about the mistake that was made and 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 you're going to solve the problem 
And then that warranty of work, I think that was like my number three. That is super important. And some guys will say, oh, my work doesn't come apart. And I say, no, nah, it does. It can. Yeah. I, I laugh at those guys. Uh, I don't know how many people over the years have told me I've never had a window leak. I've never had a roof leak. I, you know, um, you just haven't put enough in yet. You know, exactly. yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Everybody has a bad day. Everybody makes a mistake. Develop trust with your clients. Develop trust with your crew. Um, and I think that goes hand in hand with honesty. Being genuine with your clients, being who you yeah. are as a human being. They really like when you're just that you're this regular human being, not playing up who you are. They like, they like the quirkiness. They like your eccentricities. They want that. I actually, it's funny you bring that up because it just like rung a bell in my head from one of your previous podcasts. I think you said uh, you were putting on a front or you were fronting when you first got into this. Yeah. And I think that's something that uh, we all do because we don't know what we're doing. So we put on this. <laughs> you know, whatever it is, a false bravado or this, whatever we think looks professional and we try and come across as something we're not. Yeah. It just screams insecure. <laughs> right. I mean, I, I can't imagine what my clients thought when I was first coming to their house and talking to them. And because after I got comfortable, everything flowed. Yeah. Once I'm just, you know, you're just who you are and they see you come in, your hat's on a little crooked and you don't, you got, you got sheetrock dust on your shoulder and whatever. That's where we get back to, uh, you know, being genuine and uh, trust because you, you build those relationships, right? So now you've got a client who goes, yeah those were nice people. They did a good job. They kept the house tidy. They did what they said they were going to do. And they were upfront with me. And that is, that's worth a million dollars in advertising. So when I started out with it, after I made the leap to employees, which was after about five years, and the first five years were just bumbling around, stumbling, tripping and falling constantly. Uh, and having employees took me to school big time, but, but my, my clients would talk to my employees and change the project when I was at a, you know, like somewhere else getting, I was out on a run getting materials and I come back and, you know, my foreman says, we're doing this now. And I'm like, I did this. <laughs> yeah. You can't do that. And I, I had to like really coach these guys and, and it took me, I didn't know how to coach them into how do you talk to a client when I'm not there? You know, we had to work on the language to say, Hey, uh, a, we can't talk and socialize because I'm Mike's paying me right now. And that's costing Mike a lot of money. And then, and then B you can't change the, like, you need to talk to Mike. If you want to change the project, you need to call him. And, and it, I mean, it, it was a, a two or three years maybe just the first two that that kind of stuff was happening that 
that the changes were happening. The socializing stuff was a constant battle. Like uh, yeah. uh, one of my last big jobs with employees was for a big shot. Well, self-proclaimed big shot businessman <laughs> around here. And, uh, and he just stood there and talked to them all day long. And I was like, you can't <clears throat> do this. And he just ignored me. And, and man, it was, it was, a, it was really rough. And then the other thing that uh, was important was getting my sub was getting trade partners that can talk to my, my clients and not scare them. And I've got those now. And that, and that's super important. So what do you think? Uh, how do you, how do you deal with what I just talked about with your people? Well, one, uh, this is, this is my second career. So, um, my first career in the military, uh, I had some leadership training in the infantry. So running a crew, that was, that was no big deal. I knew how to manage people like on site in front of me, right, wrong, or indifferent. Um, <laughs> it wasn't always right. And, uh, it wasn't always wrong either, but socializing that's that's even harder now um now everybody's got a cell phone um you know and it's not just socializing with each other at work it's having people like you know spending too much time on facebook at work or texting back and forth with their you know buddy at the coffee shop at work Clients socializing with your crew, that's a tough one, man. It um, is. You can have a conversation with somebody, but until they realize that it's costing them money, they usually won't stop. Um, and if you've got a fixed price contract, then it's not going to cost them any money and they know it. <laughs> uh, and it sounds like the situation you were in was pretty darn near impossible, but building relationships with your subs. Um, yeah, that's so important uh, to be able to phone your plumber, phone your electrician and say, this is what's going on. This is the situation. And knowing that, you know, when they walk in that door, that there's going to be no issues. That's, that's huge. And it takes time to develop that. It doesn't happen overnight. Um, not so much here now, but in the past, I, I went through a few plumbers before I got to having a guy that was a hundred percent trustworthy and did what he said he was going to do when he was going to do it. And, you know, there wasn't a surprise on every job. There wasn't something you're looking, well, you know, man, does that really need to happen? Cause looks fine to me. And <clears throat> I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. I do. And I have a, uh, my, my plumber now is the plumber who shall remain unnamed because he's so busy. He's got no advertising. His, he's got a white van. He does not, he's awesome. And he does not want to do anything he doesn't have to do. He does not want to, if it's, if, if it's not, he does not want to fix it. If it's not broke, he's busy. Yeah. It took a long time though. Now I'm really happy with those guys. Oh my! Well, sometimes it's just personalities too, right? 
um like not so much now but in the past i bought materials from a place not because they were necessarily were the cheapest but because the service was good and the people were good and you know they did what they said they were going to do when they said they were going to do it probably the only other thing i could think of on subs is you've got a manage your expectation or manage the client's expectations too. So if that yeah, makes any sense. It does. Back to the socializing thing. I actually have it written in my contract that you can't over socialize with my crew and subcontractors. So the, so the employee or the client gets an idea that they might get billed more. <laughs> Going back to what you were just saying, um, I really think that's important to, to, to get the, those relationships with your subs in and everybody I've interviewed says, Hey, this is the most important thing is having good trade trade contractors to work with. And, and I like to make or break a project. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. I mean, if you have to wait uh, an extra week for rough-ins because somebody didn't pull a permit, somebody didn't order materials when they should have ordered materials. Um, you know, the wheels can come off pretty darn quick. Yeah, definitely. And one thing, one thing that I've come to learn and employ with my subs is that I don't put pressure on them when I don't need to. Because then when the wheels do come off and I need them, they're there for me. Like a, yeah. they're a phone call away. They'll drop what they're doing and bail me out. And that's super well, that important. Goes back to relationships and trust. Yeah. Right. You, you built that relationship. You built that trust. And, um, you know, and I won't throw any names out there either, but if I pick up the phone and I say, Hey, like, We've got a massive leak and I need you here now. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe not that minute, but just as quickly as they can. Yeah. Somebody's going to. Yeah. So they might just be able to give it a bandaid until they can come back around. But yeah, that's. But, but you know, they're, you know, they're going to be there for you. Yeah. That's the main thing. Yeah, feel it. It goes both ways, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I, well, I, I, those guys can call on a favor for me anytime. Exactly. I, uh, and I, they've done me a lot more favors than I've done them because. Hey, everybody! I'll continue this interview tomorrow. The last forty-five minutes or so, we talked for a couple more. Hey, you guys, I'm also going to do a quick shout out right here to Cody Underwood, up and coming contractor in Northern California. And he sent me a message and wrote a review that says, I'm a small time contractor in Northern California. I started my business a year and a half ago and got my license this year. And I just want to say thank you so much for this podcast and what you're doing. I don't have that mentor on the business side. And this has been amazing. The what and what not to do on cold calls, first meetings. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Cody. So many times in life we don't 
say anything about things we learn along the way. And uh, I really appreciate you saying that. And yeah, let's do this. We're all in it together. Thanks for listening today. Go ahead and email me if you want to be on the show or want to tell me what you like or don't like about it. At my email, info at thecontractinghandbook.com. And this is where I say, if you have not subscribed, please subscribe wherever you source your podcast. Thanks again. Talk to you soon. Later.